0: The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. What a joy, beloved brothers and sisters, to have an opportunity now to share with you from the word of the Lord. Uh, I confess from my heart, As my voice echoes in this empty room, I long to be with you again. But until then, this is the way we have to share together. So let us share in the Lord from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 35. Someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is of another. There's one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. So, it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. What is sown is dishonor. What is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written the first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam became a life giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I ask now, along with my brothers and sisters, that you would help us to study your word, to reflect on it, to give meaning to it, Word, lasting meaning, encouraging meaning, hopeful meaning into our hearts and lives in this hour, at this moment in time, we plead and pray in Jesus' name, amen. For weeks, the term the deadly coronavirus has circulated the airwaves. What was somewhere else is now here. Daily death tolls have become the norm Something we really haven't faced, I guess, until the Vietnam War. I can remember as a little child hearing the reports of how many had died that day. Now it's the result of a pandemic. This is a sad and stressful reality for every one of us. And what it has forced us to do is to give thought of death and how we respond to death. It reveals really what we believe, what we think. For some, it's fear. is coming to the surface. For others, it's anger, which plays out in blaming the government and then someone else for what is uncontrollable. For some, it's despair. Others, it's denial. Just pretend it's not happening. When Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, it was a very popular philosophy. It's called Epicureanism. It really centers on two things, simplicity and pleasure. It taught that at death there was annihilation, you just ceased to exist. At this point in time, it was common to place this epitaph on a grave. I was not, I was, I am not, I care not. We see some people living like that today. I was talking with my older son yesterday and he told me about how many parties were going on and down at the beach, people just denying what's happening, acting as if no kind of reality is upon them or at least it's not going to affect them and if it does, I guess then they cease. In this kind of world, Christianity exploded. It exploded because of this reality the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is faith in Christ that gives us hope as we look death in the face, as we think about our own mortality. Here's a very simple fact today from this text, and we'll look at it deeper even next Sunday on Easter Sunday. Without the resurrection, only death remains. But the resurrection gives us more than that. So here's the main idea we wanna see in this text. That Christians who have died prior to the coming of Christ will be raised with imperishable bodies when he comes. Now when you read this text that I just read, you're not gonna overtly see the coming of Christ directly mentioned. It'll be more clear next week in verses 51 to 53. The next section explains what's going to happen also to those who are alive, but today we're gonna focus on those who have died who are in Christ, and the focus is gonna be on the bodily resurrection and the nature of those bodies at the resurrection. So let's first focus on the body, that Christians who have died prior to the coming of Christ will be raised bodily when he comes. Verse 35, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. Now, the questions seem absolutely reasonable at first glance, and Paul's re- response seems harsh. You foolish person. See, here's what he's responding to he's responding to a cynical assumption of people that there is no resurrection from the dead. In fact, Most people in the world of Corinth would have seen resurrection as an absolute ludicrous idea. How how could you believe such a thing? So think of the questions again. How are the dead raised? They wouldn't have believed the dead are raised at all. It was a a sarcastic question. What kind of body do they have when they come? So in, in their minds, they would have at least thought what we would think of a zombie some grotesque body that's raised up. So what Paul does is he takes their sarcastic questions, their hateful questions, and he turns them as legitimate questions and says, okay, how are the dead raised? I'm gonna answer that, and I'm gonna answer what kind of body they have when they come. Now, I wanna make sure we see this. He's stressing the importance of the body. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that it is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. What you sow is not the body that it is to be, that all who die in Christ will be raised with a new body. That does not mean that our current body is irrelevant or unnecessary. So he uses an illustration of wheat. So you plant wheat in the ground, what comes up? Wheat. So you bury me, or you, if you're in Christ, you were buried in the ground, then what comes at the resurrection? Me, you. So what what comes, what goes into the ground here in the illustration is a seed. And in the ground, a radical transformation takes place to where this germination happens and up from the ground comes a plant and from that plant, there comes a stalk of wheat that produces not just one kernel, but multiple or a multitude of kernels of wheat. So he says, what comes, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So, so we can say, well, we now understand germination and all that stuff. And Paul, Paul's, Paul's not trying to make a scientific argument here. He, he's, he's using an illustration that the seed goes in the ground and what comes from the ground doesn't look exactly like the seed. Even though it's still wheat using the wheat illustration, what comes from the ground is something radically new. And it only happens if the seed is placed in the ground and transformed. Now Jesus uses this same illustration of himself. So it's over in John chapter 12. And John chapter 12, picking up in verse 23, Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And what Jesus is pointing us to is the gospel. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross in our place for our sin, that he died there for us, that the one who is life died. He was buried in a grave because he was dead dead and three days later he rose again. All of this according to the scripture. Now, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ bears much fruit. It results in gospel fruit that all Christians, all who trust in Christ, are the fruit of the redemptive work of Christ. So, here's what he's saying then. At our death, our bodies are placed in the ground to be raised by the power of the resurrection on the last day with a new body that is fit for all of eternity. Now he continues by using an extended metaphor and illustration that is similar in verse 35. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Now, here, here's what he does. He, he, he begins in Genesis chapter 1, specifically verse 12 of the plant of its kind, using the illustration of seed, and then he's going to move until the last thing created or person created, that is humans or man, and then he's gonna work his way backwards. Watch what he does. For not all flesh is the same. There is one kind for humans, and another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There's one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star in glory. Now, God gives it a body as he has chosen. This is divine passive. This is something that only God can do. God gives. He is the sovereign creator. He gives different kinds of bodies to different kinds of beings. So he's given a human being a very distinct body made in the image of, of God made from the dust we'll see it in a few moments then he gives to animals very specific kinds of bodies for very specific kinds of means and purposes then he gives to birds now he's distinguishing and not saying mammals or that kind of thing just animals so we're keeping our minds things that move about on the earth and then birds now what can birds do birds can fly so birds are made for the air and then he's just the fish fish are made for the water, that fish can live in the water. And then he moves to heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. He's not talking about here at this point about the composition of the body, that one kind of body is made for heaven and one kind of body is made for the earth. He's talking about location. The location of of heavenly bodies, that which we see in the sky, and those things are which here of the earth. So then he moves to the sun and the moon and the stars. And you can say, well, there's a glory of the sun and a glory of the moon. You say, well, the moon's reflecting the sun. Paul, don't you scientifically understand that? That's not his argument. His argument is simply this, that if you look up into the sky, you see the glory of the sun, which is absolutely overwhelming. You see the glory of the moon, the closest body to us, which is reflecting the sun. And then you see the stars, and you can tell some stars are brighter than other stars. So one has a glory of one kind and differs from the glory of another. So he makes sure that we see this comparison. He says at the beginning of verse 32, so it is from the re- with the resurrection of the dead. You say, so is what? The resurrection of the body is that God has transformed or will transform our body To make it for a new dwelling place, just like a fish can live in water and the birds can live in the air, God's gonna transform our bodies and make it fit for all of eternity. We'll see this next week, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. And what Paul does is he shifts his explanation now to the nature of our resurrected bodies. So the second major point we wanna see is that Christians who have died prior to the coming of Christ will be raised with imperishable bodies when he comes. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power, it is sown in natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. So perishable raised imperishable. So our perishable bodies have an expiration date on them. Now this expiration is the result of sin. The wages of sin is death. That all of us have a number of days unless Jesus comes first and when our bodies are going to run down, give up and die. But our resurrected body, it will never die. It is not subject to decline or decay and it will not in any way wear out. It is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor and is raised in glory. Now, let's be very careful here. This does not mean that your body is evil. What it means is, is that your body is corruptible. That it is prone to sin. It is prone to doing things that are wrong. But your resurrected body is incorruptible. It is full of glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Human bodies are plagued with illness, injuries. We get Tired, we're frail, and finally they result in death. But in the resurrection, we go from strength to strength. So, brothers and sisters, this is a very real reality for all of us. Our resurrected body will not need a cure from COVID 19. There will be no pandemic in heaven. When Christ comes, he gets final victory. No more sickness, no more death, no more shared death. Only for those in Christ, it will be shared life. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Now, there's a moment to where you, you need to really pay attention because you've been influenced in a way of thinking in your mind, likely, that is not biblical thinking. It would go something like this, that natural body means material and spiritual body means immaterial. This is a quote. Our thinking is so saturated by the influence of what's called Greek dualism that it is easy to think of the main difference between the natural body and the spiritual body as the difference between that which is tangible and a substantial body versus what is ghostly or non-tangible. The body that has been raised will be different, but it will be real. It will be powerful, it will be glorious, and it will be imperishable. We will be raised in the likeness of Christ. We're not going to get a spruced up version of our natural body, but a a resurrected body that is demonstrated like Christ to be physical and material, but also that this physicality has some kind of special characteristic. Remember, Jesus could appear suddenly. He could vanish quickly. He was able to break bread and eat fish. He cooked and distributed food. Don't forget this. People were able to touch him. Here's what Paul promises. Philippians chapter 3 verse 21. 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's already sealed. (laughs) The passport is the blood of Christ. We'll be admitted there. For now we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ Here's what he's going to do. He will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Because Jesus is Lord and he has overcome death, he's going to give us a glorious body like his because he is the one all powerful who is able to do it. Now, there's one final comparison here in this text for the sake of explanation. This comparison has to do with Adam. And here's what he's doing. He's arguing from the lesser to the greater. So if something were true of Adam, then it is in a greater sense true of Christ. That Adam and Christ are representative. It's a big theological word called federal headship. We're understanding what federal government means now. We've elected people to go to office to act on our behalf, and they're acting. You may question how they're acting, but they're acting. And it's very real consequences for us. So what Adam and Christ have done have very real consequences for us. They represent their federal headship. So let's see what it is. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam is a reference to Christ, became a life-giving spirit. It is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. And then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Now, this man of dust idea, it's a a reference back to Genesis chapter two, verse seven. And the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. And chapter one, verse 27, we know that man was made in the image of God, male and female, he created them then we find here in Genesis 2 that he's formed from the dust of ground. That means Adam was made human. He was not created divine. He's distinctly a human being. Now, because Adam in Genesis chapter 3 disobeyed God, sin entered the world. And from his disobedience, sin has now been pervasive to each and every one of us. So Adam gave us life from God ultimately, but that life has been passed to us today if we are alive, but Adam also gave us death. Back in verse 22 of chapter 15 for in Adam all die. So also in Christ, all shall be made alive. So Christ gave his life and in his death, he gave us life everlasting. Verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So let's reread verses 42 to 44. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, is raised imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in natural body. It is raised in spiritual body. So let's put it together now. The imperishable became perishable that the perishable might become imperishable. Jesus, the glorious one, experienced dishonor so that the dishonorable might experience glory. Jesus, the powerful one, became weak so that we, the weak, might become powerful. Jesus, who deserved life, experienced death so that those who deserved death might experience life that we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. One author said it this way, to bear the likeness of Christ is to reach the zenith of human existence. And that is our promise through the one who is the life giver who gave his life in our place, who died for us, that we might Live because of the power of his resurrection. So so I come now today, April 5th, 2020, in a period of time we're never going to forget, and I ask the question so what? Now, what I want to do here is not to scare you, but let's go back to where we started. How are you facing the threat of COVID 19? Aside from the immediate threat, let me go further. How do you process the thought of death? So here's really the question. Am I trusting in the resurrected Christ to raise me up at his coming? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus Christ will also raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Knowing, he says. This is a sure and certain hope. Now there's certain things here that we know and we're trusting in. Number one, that Christ is risen. That he is risen indeed. We will celebrate that together next Sunday. And that Not only is Christ risen, that he will raise us up. That death will not get the final say. That he will raise us up with him and he will bring us, that is the resurrected in Christ, into his presence. Now how's he gonna do this? Romans six, verse five. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, in other words, that Christ died in our place doing what we could not do, what, what, what we deserved, but dying in our place because he was the sinless, perfect sacrifice in our place. If we have died with him, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So brothers and sisters, we may be uncertain whether or not we will come down with the coronavirus. We may be uncertain of what the coronavirus may do to us if we get it. But here's what we can know today. We can know that if we have been united with Christ in his death by trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, then we can be certain that we will be united with him in a resurrection like his when he comes. Yesterday afternoon, one of our dear sisters in Christ, Phyllis Simpson, went to be with Jesus. (sighs) Not only is it hard to be alone here, it is so hard pastorally to know that people are in a hospital alone. Her dear husband by her side, her children got to see her just a moment. It is a hard reality to know. But here's the hope that I've been sharing with members of the family. It's the hope of the resurrection. Phyllis didn't die alone. She was united with Jesus in his death, and she will be united with him in his resurrection. So brothers and sisters, are you trusting in the resurrected Christ to raise you up, at His coming. If you need further clarification of what I'm talking about today, if you know that you have not trusted in Christ, or if you just need prayers, you're processing everything, would you use Facebook or email? You can find my email address on the website. We'd love to share with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you. Would you all, right wherever you are, would you bow and let me pray for you now? Father, plead for my brothers and sisters. I plead for the friends who are watching. Lord, none of us know what to do. There's really nothing we can do. But thank you, Lord, that ultimately you have done it all and you have accomplished what we could not. So help us in this uncontrollable season of our lives to look to that which you have done and to rest in the promise that you're going to raise us up, Lord. That we will be united with you in a resurrection like yours. That which is planted in the ground is going to be raised in power, imperishable, undefiled, full of glory. So encourage my brothers and sisters and friends today. Help us all in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this song. Use this song to continue to minister to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church, located in Gastonia, North Carolina please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.